0: This is episode number 113. Is everything I'm doing going to be worth it? With Nelson Torriano. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lokhid and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you, To help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to give a brief shout out to our review of the week, which comes from Derek Garcia. I'm honored to have done a podcast interview with Oleg for Overcoming Odds. They're doing great work that's important for each of us. We all have struggles that we must navigate. These podcasts provide real-life examples that inform and inspire their viewers. We are not alone in their journeys, and they are much more enjoyable when we can share our examples and learn from others. Thank you so much, Derek, for that wonderful review. If you want to be featured on our review of the week, go ahead and leave us one on iTunes, Facebook, or Google. It is that simple. Now, let's get back to our show. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Ads Podcast. Today's guest is someone that I was fortunate enough to connect with through the power of LinkedIn, and um, him and I connected. I think it's been two weeks ago, yeah, two, three not- weeks ago, and mm-hmm. um, we had that initial conversation that I think lasted probably an hour longer than mm-hmm. we initially anticipated. But you know, everything happens for a reason, and we were just meant to create that space for each other to learn more about who we are. Um, Nelson, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Thank you for coming in and really just choosing to share your wisdom and your knowledge and understand that the person that you are today, you're already a contribution to other people's lives. And I just wanted to create this space for both of us to um, share our own lived experience. And the way that I want to start this off is somewhat similar to what I've done with previous interviews. And the reason why is I want to be able to create this mutual space of understanding for Mm -hmm. listeners. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you this question of who are you? Um, You have the, you have the freedom to take that question in whichever direction you want. But if you were asked that question, how would you describe yourself?
1: Wow. Okay. So we only have an hour, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there listeners- will be a 2.0 and a <laughs> 3.0. <laughs> well, listeners, if, if I had a chance to meet you in person, I'd shake your hand. My name is Nelson Toriano. I'm the CEO of a financial education company dedicated to personal trainers. Um, it's called Coach Nelly Toriano. I offer coaching services, and I really want to augment and bring financial literacy to the fitness industry because it's a need that is um, that is not that's present in my industry, but it's my audience is really underserved in that sense. Um, I work in an industry where personal trainers and fitness professionals quit on a regular basis. Mm. I come from a business background, but my side hustle, my passion, has always been in personal training and fitness. Um, so I felt that. Now that I'm significant, I'm older and, and I'm wiser and I have my master's of business administration and I got all the necessary certificates, I'm in a good position to give back to the community I love um, and compiled a book I wrote. I'm the author of a book called For the Fit a Poor Personal Trainer. Um, and it's a guide on how to leverage um, cash in order to create sustainable careers. So that's my professional experience. Um, that's what it says on my business card. <laughs> and that's how I introduce myself to people who who are meeting for the first time. Um, but this space is really safe. So I want to share with you a little bit more than me. It's always interesting, especially in the United States, whenever you meet someone and that person says, hi, well, you know, what do you do? And you just kind of... You, you, especially in entrepreneurship, especially in business, we're so trained to do the six second elevator speech that we could just say it. Yeah. And it almost gets to the point we become numb to it. (laughs) So I'm going to drop that for a second. Um, I'm Asian American. I'm Filipino born and raised in San Francisco Bay area. Um, I've, all I know is the, is the Bay area, but I've, since I'm first generation, um, I grew up with an American mindset. So I've always been curious about other people, all different races, all different religions, all different ages. I am a my heart will always be in 90s hip-hop and R&B. That is the generation of the best music ever and I will fight anyone who disagrees with me. <laughs> <it. laughs> so, um, But I, I just love meeting all these different types of people and I come from a very independent type of mindset, which is very different than a lot of my relatives and especially my parents who come from a very communal um, upbringing. Um, and they came from poverty, they came from war. So. That kind of alludes to who I am as a person in terms of family. There was a, um, a lot of conflict, I should put lightly. So if any of the listeners felt like, you know, they, they feel like a misfit within their own families, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. I will talk to you ad nauseum about that. Um, I'm also um, a gay man, and I've been with in a relationship for about 13 years. Um, he's a wonderful, supportive, amazing person, and it took me a long time of self-discovery Um, and getting past a handful of years of of self-hate in order to love myself, to build my confidence, to find someone who can love me for me with all the flaws and blemishes, and I couldn't be any happier. If any of the listeners, if you if you too are um, heavily ingrained in the LGBT community, you know, thirteen years in a relationship is like dog years. So mm-hmm. <laughs> really, it's like we've been together for about like seventy or eighty years. So it's a thing in that subculture, also. That kind of gives you another dimension. Mm-hmm. And another part is, I love people, even though um, I may not be like the wealthiest of people that you'll ever know. Um, it's, I've always based my principles on hashtag be kind, hold the door open for someone. If someone trips or someone falls, help them up. If someone has hit financial t- hardship, like me, um, if you get to a situation where you are in a position, actually, I should say, t- I should take that back. We're all in a position to give back. We're all in a position to offer a lending hand, no matter who you are. Um, in my past, I volunteered to build houses. I volunteered to, uh, um, and or- orphanages and, and um, places of, of, of refuge for many immigrants, um, battered women's homes and the people who have the least are some of the most humble people I will ever meet. And I remember being in the Philippines and some of the m- most beautiful places I've ever been to were in the rice paddies where people were living in poverty because in those households they didn't have much but they gave me the world. They were giving me everything that they had. Hey, we don't have a bed, but here's a corner in our house. This is all we can offer you. And just the scale and the amount of heart that when you know what struggle is and you're still in a position of giving back, that always resonated with me. So as a person, I like to pride myself that as Nelson Toriano, I can be a role model for others and I could be a walking example of what it's like to be kind, what it's like to be nice and what it's, means to be uh, generous with Mm. me as a person so that's a mouthful if i ever (laughs) thank you i can't put that on on a business card or anything but i'm very i want to make sure that listeners understand there's there's far more to an entrepreneur than what our business cards say
0: Mm -hmm. you know what's interesting about what you just said is i've had so many different conversations with people who of all walks of life recently and one of the biggest things that i've been able to identify for myself is during a time of hardship, I always go back to giving. I I literally force myself to give more Mm -hmm. than I think I have. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is I think it it builds up so much within your character and helps you understand and put it in perspective as far as the the problem that you think is on your mind or what you're experiencing is actually not as big as you present it to be, Yeah. you know, and, and through the conversation that you and I had one of the things that you mentioned was the time of financial struggle that you went through. Mm -hmm. And in the conversation that revolves around that oftentimes is that as soon as you hear that word bankruptcy, Mm -hmm. it's all of a sudden like all the air gets lifted from the room and it's something that you should never talk about. Yeah. But yet it's one of those things that it's, it happens often enough where it's got to be a conversation that we all have. Yeah. Yeah. And and even for people who haven't made the commitment to file for one of the three or however many options you have available when it comes to bankruptcy, it's still a thought that sometimes is on our mind. Right. Yeah. So I I just, um, if you don't mind, would you be willing to share a little bit about that particular story? Because I think there's so much to learn from it and there's so much wisdom that can be passed on from that experience in helping people normalize the space and the conversation that can happen if they choose to allow it.
1: Absolutely. So here in Silicon Valley, everyone knows that it's an area of very high cost of living. So when we went through the recession back in 2009, we were one of the um, significant places that had the biggest drop and so many layoffs and so many of these companies were letting people go. And I was one of millions of people who are impacted. I did everything in my heart I could do to save my condo, even though I was in between jobs and I can't tell you how amazingly stressed I was now with we in life. We just end up being really good actors. That we, <laughs> yeah. We pretend that we got everything under control and deep down inside, we might not even be sleeping. I know for me, I was going to bed hungry. I wasn't even eating, but you know, I, I got laid off. I found a job. I was working my butt off, and so I was sitting in my cubicle. Um, everything's fine. Everything, you know, we're good. Good morning. Hey, I'll see you tomorrow. But then, if I get the second I got into my car, I would be crying because I couldn't make that payment of two thousand five hundred dollars every single month, which is my mortgage plus um, PITI plus HOA. And I was barely making it, and I couldn't even afford I remember this night. I couldn't even afford one of those $5 shirts at target that were on the clearance rack. You couldn't, I couldn't even afford $5. This is how bad it mm. was. So house poor. One thing led to another. Um, I had a former roommate who came back to me. He, he sued me for improper eviction. Um, I lost, that was another $500 on top of what I was paying per month. I couldn't pay my bills and one thing led to another I had to I had to file chapter 13 it was my very last resort um it was a hard realization and, and if anyone went through the process it's actually a long process you have to prove at least three to six months worth of financial hardship so you have to um, show that you maxed out your credit cards things like that this is on top of people knocking on your door and giving you uh, paper summons and the then if you, calls. oh my god I was I The anxiety level was through the roof. So when I said I wasn't sleeping, I really wasn't sleeping. (laughs) And then I found my lawyer. My lawyer was walking me through the entire process. Um, You almost feel like you are a leper and everyone wants to avoid you. Mm. And you feel like you're an outcast. So... Uh, you're required to go through these bankruptcy classes and these classes are oh my god they're such BS so (laughs) you have to take these online courses part of it and you know you have to review what's a credit card what's a credit score and how do you handle a credit card and I have to sit there and prove that I went through this I'm not dumb I just got screwed so anyways I had to go through these online courses I had to go to these meetings and one of the meetings took place in a local church and the church was packed with families with every walk of life that you could think of everyone was filing chapter 7 or chapter 13. Mm-hmm. so i was sitting in the back pew and it was crowded um, but right next to me was a family with two young children and then across the aisle were, were a couple and, and i they must be retired um, and the more that i looked around one realization that i had was one i'm not alone this whole time i thought it was i thought it was just me and my lawyer Two, what we're going through is infuriating. I'm in my mid-20s, I can bounce back. Mm -hmm. When I'm looking at people who uh, have young children, I saw moms who were pregnant and they're filing bankruptcy. Um, People who lost their entire retirement, that's when my heart started going to people who, who are not in a similar situation as mine. That sucks. And so I held on to that state for a really, really long time, one, feeling bad for myself um, and two, feeling really bad for the other people because that was a calling to me. I knew in my heart and I established this before that I've always been a person with a big capacity for empathy and kindness, but I didn't know what what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So for the next following years, once I finally went through the process in 2012, that's when my final court date was and I was officially released. That's when my official chapter 13 began and appeared on my um, record. So I have about two and a half years left of it. Um, and the more that I shared my story, the more that I realized I wasn't alone. So I stumbled upon a couple of coworkers who also foreclosed on their condos, who also uh, filed either chapter seven or chapter 13 and just hearsay. But to get to that point of confidence that I can even talk took several years. I mean, yeah. I was silent uh, during those years. I was so ashamed and so embarrassed and couldn't even face people who asked, so, so how's your condo? Um, well, I don't have it. And they go, oh, so you moved out? No, not that. Well, where do you live? Oh, I moved in with my partner. Oh, okay, so you guys uh, bought a house over in San Jose. Well, he did, I didn't. And so it was like this constant, constant digging into my personal information when I really, really wasn't comfortable bluntly, I was ashamed. And I carried right. that shame for many, many years and inside shame, I felt super alone. Um, it wasn't until a, a couple confident confidants um, extended their landing hand and, and created for me, created for me that it's a safe space to talk. So the more that I grew, the more um, confident that I became over the years, and now I got to the point of here is, hey, I can already see the writing on the wall. I see people, it may not have been that same retired, retired couple from, you know, eight years ago, but I'm seeing a lot of these people in personal training and fitness who they are exactly who I was back then, exactly, and wonderful, talented, super smart people, but I know exactly what it's like to hide. I know exactly what it's like to pretend that you have everything and everything is fine and don't worry about me. When deep down inside, you know, I've even seen some of you guys cry. It's hard. And the math here doesn't work out. You're living in Silicon Valley earning anywhere between fifty, dollars no more than $70,000 a year. You're working against people who are working in tech who are earning $200,000. I mean about a three bedroom house here in the in, in the next city can cost about two two point $2. two million dollars wow the, the math doesn 't work, so I can only imagine what you 're going through and and, and it's it 's okay i 've been there, and you don 't have to say much for me to know what 's going on yeah
0: How much of that carry with carries with you? I mean you know one of the things that i 've learned after having different conversations with people is that due to the time frame that the bankrupt- bankruptcy takes on your record. I mean, there's just like you said, there's there are levels and layers of shame and embarrassment and guilt and all these other emotions that you've got to process through. Like, how? When did it kind of click for you? I know, as far as you said, having that <clears throat> conversation with the people who chose to essentially create that space for you. Mm-hmm. But when did it make sense for you that hey? even though I may have five more years that I legally have to have this on my record and, and answer all of these uh, questions that come with it, that it's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose to take ownership of it and, and not feel like, um, you know, something was wrong with me or I Mm -hmm. think it's the biggest thing that I think we sometimes feel and I can relate to it for so many instances of my own where I felt that a decision that I had made, whether it was in my early 20s or even earlier than that, that impacted who I've become, mm-hmm. you know, there's, when people don't understand and when they don't, they don't give you the time to understand, mm-hmm. it, it, you create this level of shame and embarrassment that doesn't even have to be there. Yeah. If, the, if you just choose to actively listen to the person and say, hey, I may not have been there, but I, I get it. Yeah. So I can somewhat understand what you're going through. Yeah. So even in the, you said what, two years? You have two mm-hmm. years remaining? Two years. Even in, in these last two years, are there still elements of it that you are going through that uh, were kind of uh, attached from when you first filed for it?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's been a couple of key pointers, um, specific instances. So I drive, this is so Silicon Valley. I drive a hybrid <laughs> and I bought my car in 2016. Um, but the first point that I realized that I was not okay and then I was okay was buying a car. Um, when if you're, if, you have, if, if you're part of Costco, a Costco hat, you can buy, um, well, you can't buy cars in bulk, but you can buy them yeah. at a significant discount. That would be nice. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? I could buy five. Start um, a wholesale next to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People always wonder about that. But no, you can go through Costco and get a significant discount as long as you're a member. Um, so I was going through them and I was talking about how to finance the car. And I asked what type of um, percentage I would qualify for. And they said 26%. And my jaw dropped like my, I need a car (laughs) like several more years, but I don't want to buy some junk. That's, you know, um, but they said, well, because you have the BK and short term, BK refers to bankruptcy because you have the BK on your record, you know, company policy, you qualify for the highest amount. You're at our highest risk. (sighs) Okay. And it's like, It's kind of like this this scar you cannot get rid of. You can do you could be a a kind, generous person, super smart. I have my master's of business administration. By then, I have a stable job, and I just can't get rid of this one thing. And and, and creditors and anyone who works in finance can't see past that. They can't see the human behind that number, which is so infuriating. But it is what it is. So. Um, I needed the car and I did the math and I could figure out that, you know, when I could pay off the car. So I took the 26%. I actually managed to pay off the car in a year. So it took me a year to get from point A of being really, really disheartened all the way into confident. So once I paid off my car and I was like, hey, that, that's not that bad. Being bankrupt, okay, I, I, I could get through this. It wasn't the largest of accomplishments, but to me, it gave me a, a glimpse of hope. Just a little mm-hmm. bit and I'm going to be okay. So that's probably another year. And I started, I got really addicted to Audible. So <laughs> I was listening to audiobooks like left and right. Not and a bad I, addiction to have. Oh, God. I, I, last year, I ended up listening to about 100 audiobooks, all different uh-huh. topics. Yeah, it was I'm an addict. <laughs> so I, um, one of the books I stumbled upon was Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad, which in business world, and anyone who has ever read that, it's mind-blowing. Um, and then one thing led to another. I started networking on LinkedIn and then through the Rich Dad Corporation, I was just kind of perusing through his website, it led me to a bunch of educational seminars. So I took a bunch of the free seminars. They were talking about, you know, how to um, manage your, manage debts in order to buy real estate and investments. So things started clicking. I didn't, it's still, I still didn't think much of it. I was still kind of ashamed talking about it. So anyways, I registered for one of those seminars and it was online. And this wonderful presenter was talking to us about wholesaling and um, by, um, by, um buy and hold options and all these different strategies for real estate. So it, 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 it is, it, this is so stupid. It's online. We can't even voice our questions. So I was actually nervous just to type my questions in the chat box. <laughs> so I type, can someone with a bankruptcy actually do this? And I remember her typing back saying, yes, yes, you can. In my many years of that bankruptcy, no one, no one has ever said, yes, you can. Mm. I've always gotten rejected. I've always gotten denied. I've always said, well, because of this, this is as much as I could do. No one actually said that I can. And that started started an emotional shift in me that I'm like, oh my God, I actually can see the light. I can actually, there's, it's small. So I started um, uh, taking more and more courses and started understanding how real estate investment works. Um, I could, there's so many different creative financing opportunities that that do not require to, um, checking my, I got fine credit, but still, you can see the BK on my credit report. Right. So slowly over time, I started taking these steps forward um, and I am purchasing a, a property within my IRA, my my IRA, my Roth IRA um, in the next month or so, and the journey started back in March, last March, last. So it's been almost a year um, of just constant education, but I cannot forget that one moment that one person said, "I can."
0: Mm.
1: That's all it took, that and started propelling me forward. Wow,
0: you know, you you're someone that has gone through so many different events and experiences within your life, and one of the other things that I wanted to dive into within the time frame that we have is the um, LGBTQ portion of it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in particular, the time that you mentioned to me was um, might not have been as welcoming mm-hmm. as it may appear now, and so. When when talk to us a little bit more about that journey and kind of what what gave not necessarily what gave you the um, permission to like step into that space confidently, but how did you develop that confidence that it's like, hey, this is just part of who I am? You mm-hmm. know, and, and whatever other people may think, that's their that's how they see it through their lens. Mm-hmm. Like, how how did you adjust within that environment?
1: Okay, here we go. Okay. <laughs> I've always knew I always knew I was different. As very very young kid, I just I wasn't the most coordinated guy, little boy in sports or anything. I just knew I was different. I also really liked to dance, so that kind of gave it away. (laughs) Um, And I I I back in the day, and I want to say it was like the the late '90s when we still had AOL. That's when I started exploring um, chat rooms and started meeting people. So I did fall into. The um, darker side of AOL, where I was meeting older men um, at 16 years old, so I lost my virginity there um, at 16 years old, and everything on porn made the LGBT lifestyle like, "Wow, this is easy," and it's not. <laughs> and so this, that was my first, that was my first foray into what the lifestyle is. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. That, that, that uh, uh, kind of coined what my high school years were. I went into college, and I went to college at University of San Francisco. So now I'm in this gay mecca of LGBT, and I was still trying to figure out my way of what it means to, to be gay, just to be a young man. It's a very tumultuous time, because if anyone can remember what they were like between 17 to 21, no one knew it all. None of us knew how the world worked. So just trying to come into adulthood was hard enough, let alone coming into my own sexuality was hard enough. Mm. At that time between 1999 and up to about 2001 was the peak of the rave scene in San Francisco Bay Area. So once I was in that emotional state and everything was pretty volatile, it was a lot of confusion and again, a lot of shame, a lot of... um, disagreement with my parents i one of the strategies i remember taking emotionally just to protect myself was to isolate myself so i didn't talk to my parents for a really long time in fact i hated them in fact i hated everyone i just hated the world because they just didn't understand me and the more i and you can already tell that that was a lot of introspection that's a lot of Mm self-hate i just didn't know myself but the more people that I met in San Francisco, they introduced me. There's this one pill that will take all my problems away. And at least for several hours, everything's going to be glorious. And you just have to stay awake <laughs> 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 for several hours. And then after the ecstasy is done and you come down around like 6 or 7 a.m., you just drink some orange juice, some oddwala. You can keep that vitamin C going. Um, you might you might stink after the rave, you might get a shower, but you're going to be fine. And then I fell into that scene of raves and drugs and promiscuity um, and self-hate for the, my entire, almost my entire duration of, of college. Um, I was interning and I met this wonderful manager named Heather. Heather introduced me. Um, to a lot of the self-help work that she was doing at the time, I really gravitated to her for some reason. She was just a beautiful, kind person inside and out. Um, She and some other people gave me the courage to even consider coming out to my parents. Now, I'll leave that part of the story on pause. Now, go back into childhood. In the Asian culture, um, excuse me, it's not common and actually it's hardly ever happens that you uh, put your uh, grandparents in a rest home. So when I was growing up and my parents were working, it was my grandmother who, I, who was actually raising me. And all the years, I've always been close to her. She passed away. No, she moved back to the Philippines when I was a senior in high school. I didn't take that well. Um, but over time, I accepted it. But I mean, she, 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 she's my my maternal figure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she passed away in the Philippines, um, my last year of college. So I was supposed to have studied abroad that summer, right after college. I was graduating late and, um, uh, just because I wanted that opportunity to go back and see her. I, it would have been four, it would have been four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't take her death. Well, not at all. And listeners mind you, I didn't take her death. Well, I also hated myself. I was also on drugs. I was also partying. So, one thing led to another, and things just got progressively, progressively worse. I was at my bottom point. Um, I had a couple of failed relationships in college. One of them was physically abusive, so I wasn't handling relationships all that well. Nothing was going well. <laughs> all I know is that I was graduating. I think that was the one thing I was holding on to.
0: Um,
1: when I went to the Philippines finally, and then I went to her grave, I broke, and I was crying so, so amazingly hard. Um, I got a little bit of closure because that was the first and the last time I'll ever see some entity of her. Mm -hmm. Um, When I got back, I went through seclusion for a couple months and I was in touch with Heather um, and she held my hand um, and she said everything was gonna be okay. So I did a lot of emotional, introspective, ontological work and I did it. October 2003, I sat my mom down and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for pushing you away. I'm sorry for thinking that you would ever stop loving me. I'm, I'm just sorry for the type of person that I was. And whatever happens, just know that I'm committed to being close and I want a very close relationship with you. I just need you to know that I'm gay. And at that point I was sobbing. You have no idea how scared I was because I thought I was going to be kicked out. I thought she was going to disown me. I thought I was going to lose it all. I have nowhere to live. I have no school, no job, no nothing. And I just came out of the closet and I might actually lose my family. So the second she got up from the table, I was shaking uncontrollably and she hugged me. When she hugged me, I cried even more. And I can't explain it, but I know I felt my grandmother standing right there. And there's this, if you ever grew close to someone, you just know their energy. Mm -hmm. That was the last time I ever felt her. And I know from that point on, everything was going to be okay. There was some force in the universe that was reassuring me that I'm going to be okay as a person. Mm. So I remember that moment that was probably my lowest point and then suddenly the world shifted the second i took responsibility for how i am for who i am as a man um who i'm being in this world and just having that that i wouldn't even say confidence that authenticity Mm -hmm. to be who i am no matter how scared i was have that courage um weird things started happening i landed a job (laughs) <laughs> and um, my friends came back. I started working out a whole lot. I became healthy. It was this odd phenomenon of of confronting the demons inside, but being really authentic, taking off the mask. Being, I mean, I was pretty ugly at that point. I was crying and <laughs> nothing was going well, um, but still having the courage to face my fears and just know that I'm still alive. I get, at that time, it, I felt like I couldn't get any worse. And it was, it was odd, listeners, if you're listening to this, um, it was all stories in my head that I was yeah. making. It was not the reality of it, but man, I held on to the reality real strong. Um, so now, you know, I, I, I'm, am i am a totally different, confident, uh, a gay man. It doesn't even resonate in me. All my friends love me for me. And I feel more comfortable about being vulnerable and, um, sharing my story. And hopefully,
0: You know, so much of what you just said, it's so spot on with how I view life. And that is so much of our perception is completely based on our story that we choose mm-hmm. to ourselves before we even choose to share that story with anyone else.
1: Yeah,
0: and so we think that it's going to turn out one way, or we think that someone else knows something else that we don't, and therefore they're going to view you differently. Yeah, it, it's everything boils down to the power of your narrative. Yeah, right? and Absolutely. and and I think that's the most important part of what you just said is just recognizing the power of your story and giving yourself the opportunity to understand that, regardless of where you are along this journey. You can always rewrite that narrative. You can drop it off wherever it is right now. You can mm-hmm. start over. You mm-hmm. can continue doing what you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: those are all perfectly acceptable options.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I still get a, a once in a while when someone asks, it's a hard question to answer. Like, what's your story? Um, Which department of my life you want me to say because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty complicated and who am I talking to and what audience is, is listening um but yeah I mean the, the it, it's amazing what type of narrative that we would actually tell ourselves in order to keep ourselves what we think is safe mm-hmm. when we actually stop um holding on to su- su- such protection and start allowing our hearts to to just be themselves, Mm -hmm. we're way more human, we're way more relatable, and it's just a beautiful phenomenon. And I end up, I know for me, I end up meeting some of the most wonderful people I would never have originally crossed paths with. Mm -hmm. Other industries, other ages, religions, races, and everything, because at the core of who we are, we're just human, and we all go through the same experiences. It's our yeah. stories, it's our prejudices, it's our stereotypes that separate us. But I mean, that could change. Like, those could be dropped. Have
0: you ever experienced this? And, and I certainly have. And I'm just curious to know from your perspective, when you get asked the question of what is your story, we have, or let me put it this way. I have no difficulty telling my story of my past, mm-hmm. but I stumble in telling the story of the current and uh, I have no yeah. difficulty telling the story of the future. Yeah, because it's something that hasn't happened, so it's a complete imagination and fantasy. Have yeah. you experienced a similar thing when, when yeah. asked, like really stumbling or not even finding the wa- right, not even finding any words to yeah. tell the current, but yet having no difficulty in telling the past?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So why,
0: why is it like that? It, think- why do you think that happens like that?
1: I think it's because uh, I know for me, I'm constantly reflecting and I'm constantly thinking about, you know, how far I've been, uh, how far I've come along and where I've been, that the mm-hmm. stories in my head and the recollections um, end up being ingrained. Um, my, interp- my current interpretation of my past can um, change depending on my mood for that day. Um, mm-hmm. But nonetheless, the events and the way that I recall things, um, I can regurgitate it. Pretty much everything that I just said but if you ask me you know what's my story at this present I could tell you that I'm on a call with you or I could tell you that I didn't get a lot of sleep last night or (laughs) what kind of time frame are we talking about and and which uh, uh, emotional or or mental or professional capacity you want to talk about in terms of my characteristics because there's Mm. a lot going on Mm -hmm. and I haven't actually practiced in my head of how to tell this to someone else because I'm in the present I'm so busy concentrating what's going on right now um, in the future I kind of because I have my smart goals and I, mm-hmm. I can think about them a whole lot so I could um, reiterate that but being in the present no sometimes it's hard <laughs> 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 I don't know I don't know and sometimes I have to get I have to ask that question back and, well, well, and, and I don't want to sound terse but really right. like, I want to know <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and that, I they, and that's and the reason why I ask is I just wondered you know, how you approach that situation, because whenever I get asked that question, like, what is your story? And I always ask myself, which part where, yeah. what do you want to know? It's, yeah. it's a good question. Like, what is in your mind? Yeah, what do you? What are you genuinely curious about? Yeah, this particular experience that I went through, that might give us a chance for both of us to relate yeah. and see each other for people that we may not have seen each other
1: before. Yeah, absolutely. In the business world, I mean, if you ask any business-minded person or any entrepreneur, "What's your story?" they're going to go in their elevator speech, like by default. <laughs> We're trained to do that. Uh, and if, if you ask anybody else, I say that you're at a bar, and you ask them, oh, "So, what's your story?" then the narrative might be a little bit more emotional. Uh-huh. If you. Obviously, if you go up to a person who is um, in, you know, who's sad, or you could, it's obvious in their faces, they're going through something, what's your story, they're going to tell you what they're going to be feeling at that very minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really does depend on the person. It's always funny. And I always I laugh at sometimes at the, the whole psyche of the entrepreneur, because we go through the same things. I mean, we, we are really good at our elevator pitches that it's almost, yeah. it's almost robotic, like yeah. there's a person underneath all this too <laughs> <Dude. laughs>
0: it's true my uh, my parents and i we we joke about it sometimes because we we watch different commercials on tv mm-hmm. and in fact most of the time we my parents just started to mute them because yeah. it, it it's so like there's just repetition you know there's yes. the concept of authenticity is, is almost I'm missing completely and maybe you know the person's still there and they're acting and one of the things that you mentioned that i found very funny and interesting is that we do become one hell of an actors i mean yeah. we become phenomenal actors <laughs> our lives. like yeah. if anyone were to literally do a movie just on your life a yeah. there's no other person that can play it yeah and b when you actually look at the things that happen i laugh at myself all the time because um One of the books I started reading recently called The Art of Possibility. And the most recent chapter that I read, it it's the title of it is called Rule Number Six. Yes. And what that rule is not to take yourself too seriously. And so I I end up going back in my life and some of the events that I have been through or currently going through, and I just laugh. Yeah. Uncontrollable laugh. It's just how like funny the thing is. Yeah. That Uh, it happens. Yeah. So I think there's that level of action, drama, comedy, every genre you can think of. Yeah. Just film one individual and you're going to get it
1: all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised we're such good actors. I'm surprised we haven't won awards. (laughs) There's, um, I was just talking to someone, uh, this morning. She's, uh, also active on LinkedIn and she comes from the fitness industry as well. And we were talking about different levels of engagement, what type of content. Um, we come from an industry where sex sells. I mean, guys are have their shirts off and women are showing off their butts. It's, mm-hmm. Our bodies are our business cards. So whatever content that we post showing off the actual body, um, it gets a certain level of engagement. But we also notice that when we start sharing something that's personal, like something on the emotional level, yeah. we get far more engagement. Yeah. And it's weird. It's an ironic thing, especially for our industry, where so much image, you would think image would be more uh, more engaging when reality it's actually not people want to get to know you <laughs> genuinely
0: <laughs> and and I think you 're right, and i 've noticed the same exact thing I think people at the end of the day want to understand people, and mm-hmm. what i 've also learned is that people want to understand how you went through similar challenges that they 're either going through or have been through yeah and and I think the the closer you can get to that experience of really tapping into not the superficial kind of level of like, hey, I went through this and here I am a yeah. changed change person at the end of it. But it's more so here's how I went through it. You yeah. know, I sat at the bank and got denied three times and stepped mm-hmm. out and called my friend and got denied again and called my parents. And people want to see that because I think the most important part that I've learned as far as I've been able to identify my own steps to transformation through another person's story. Mm-hmm. It has very rarely been an instance where I heard an individual say, "Hey, here are the five steps to success. Just follow mm-hmm. them, and you're good." Mm-hmm. That that has never really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. It's always been hearing someone else's challenge, someone else's adversity. Yeah. And within it, I can say, "Okay, I'm not there, but I I'm here." Yeah. Or I can see the other end of that one. Yeah. So I can see how you know it's. So I think that the challenge in I think any industry and especially mm-hmm. probably personal training is developing a narrative where it's not so focused on the steps Yeah. each individual per- journey is going to require a different amount of steps Yeah. or different steps completely. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, absolutely. you may have to get to a point where you are emotionally stable Yeah. to even get yourself into the gym
1: absolutely oh my gosh there's a couple of points I want to piggyback on that um I know for me I really resonate with a lot of inspirational stories where I can one like you said I could see myself um but also um there's this there's a sense of loneliness that I've been through I've felt for years and years and years and it's a very scary place to be in um, thinking that you're the only one, thinking you're the only one who's doing drugs, thinking you're the only one who's gay, thinking you're the only one who hates himself, it's debilitating, it's isolating, it hurts. It can physically hurt as well. So when I hear other, anyone from any walks of life, from business, from my personal industry, from other industries saying, you know, I, this is what I went through. I, and if I have, the way that they tell their stories and their narratives, and if they're authentic and I can see myself, I'm suddenly not alone. That means the world to me. One of the most powerful things that you know, going through the bankruptcy process and looking at other people, I I swore going through bankruptcy, I must have been the only American going through this. And I'm (laughs) alone. (laughs) It wasn't until I walked in, like, hey, you too, and you too. (laughs) Funny story. I actually, when I was going through court, I ran into a friend who was also filing bankruptcy. (laughs) Courtroom. I'm like, you too, and she's like, yeah, me too. I got impacted too. And I thought I thought the collectors were only going after me. I thought I was like I, I got a hitman on me or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, with, the, with the amount of calls that they were
0: making you on a daily basis, yeah, it, it sure seemed like you were the only one, right? Exactly. Because you're like, can they just take this three or four calls and like? that time elsewhere yeah
1: every hour please stop bothering me do anything else i got your message um (laughs) and so having that it really resonates that that if other people went through similar struggles um and it's so admirable when when people overcome that because then that gives me hope Mm -hmm. you went through it too then you that that means that means i can get go through it too and I, i i'll have better days as well um when that person in that webinar says, you yes, you can, something resonated in me saying that she actually understood that, she, no, actually, no I, not that she actually understood, she really did understand because she was on the other side. She understood that be, uh, the whole landscape of real estate investing and finance, that people like me can actually do something. She reassured me that I wasn't so different, that I wasn't a special case, that I wasn't I shouldn't be isolated anymore, that I'm not a leper. So that meant the world to me. And so that's what got me like inspired, motivated, really homing on to my grit. I'm like, I'm going to do this. It's going to happen. I'm going to be better. Um, I loved it. And and I love hearing other people um, share their authentic stories because it brings us closer together and it gives us something that a lot of people generally want and we want hope. We want yeah. to be able to see better days. So,
0: yeah. and mm. we're always, we're all gonna gonna go through it, and we're all mm. gonna in the thing, the concept about dark days. It it's never-ending process. Mm-hmm. Just like the concept of days where everything's going your way, when yeah. all you see is that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, and and I think that's the concept that we sometimes we forget. And so we just try and work through the dark days to get to the other end. So we quote-unquote never experience those days again. But yet those days will come back again. Oh, yeah. In a different form, different shape, different circumstance. And so I think it's always important to come to a point of your own personal understanding and saying, Hey, this happened, but so what? What can I learn from it? And and the other thing that I'm learning along this journey is, I don't think the question is necessarily what can I do to not repeat this particular thing or mistake, but rather just accepting the journey for what it is and, and trying to take away the lessons that you can identify. Yeah. Because that concept of never repeating that same exact mistake is completely out of your control. Yeah. I mean, that same mistake that you think is the mm-hmm. mistake that you made mm-hmm. is most likely not the mistake. There's always a story within a story. Yeah.
1: right yeah
0: so that the thing that led you to your particular to the bankruptcy mm-hmm. may not be the thing that you actually understand as a mistake yeah it might be something way within your past yeah that happened when you were a kid yeah and, and then it's triggering all these other events yeah and sequences
1: yeah so I, I i love how you pointed that out and um to add on to that it's i had to shift my mindset is um looking at different life events and there's something, there's a reason why this happened to me. I don't know if yeah. it the universe trying to tell me something or showing me or forcing me through like an act of tough love that this, this, you have to figure out what is the takeaway from this. Um, so I started to, it, it took a long time, listeners, it takes a long time to shift your mind. <laughs> to shift your mindset out of like, ah, oh, this event sucks to a mindset of like, What can I learn from this? There's something to learn. There's something that the the world, the universe, and my life is trying to tell me to do or to be. Um, It forms the character that I am today, and it forms the character you are today as we speak, and it will be um, within our future as well. There's always something to learn out of those circumstances. You have to remember that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's how you make them meaningful. Yeah. I think the concept of constantly going out there and seeking for that purpose or that moment of enlightenment when somehow everything, everything makes sense. Um, I think it's a flawed concept. I, Mm -hmm. I think we always have the choice and opportunity to look at any given event, any given instance that we've lived through and say, Hey, this is meaningful.
1: Therefore I can make it purposeful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, once you, once you figure out what it is, Maybe you don't even have to figure out what it is, but you can always teach. <laughs> you can always yeah. give back. Like, again, going back to the whole nature of giving back, that could very well be the reason why you had to go through the thing that you went through is because it's yeah. teaching you a different way and, it, and it's trying to show you that you, you as an individual person, you have purpose. There's a reason you're here,
0: yeah.
1: to help make the world a better place. <laughs> yeah,
0: Yeah, and I think that's what it's all about at the yeah. end of the day. Final thought for today's episode, and this is a question that I recently started to ask our guests to come onto the show, and that is, how can you be a contribution
1: to someone else's life today? Oh, gosh. Oh, actually, funny that you bring that up because I, I have dinner plans. I have dinner plans with a dear friend, um, and she's going through financial hardship right now. And from the l- very few conversations that we had in relation to her house and her parents' house, which is actually a probate right now, mm-hmm. um, her par- both of her parents passed away. Um, there was no trust. So now the house is into the state and she had to sell one of her properties in order to cover a bunch of costs. So all of the shifting of money, um, I highly doubt she's sleeping and I highly doubt that she's taking care of herself. So again, one of these wonderful actors that we meet in life is trying to hold things together. <laughs> <laughs> when you are taking when the writing is on the wall, so being there for my dear friend and say like, "Hey, I am, I am here for you," mm. and you know that you are my, you are one of my bestest friends. Um, creating that safe space she's been there for me um very hard times when i felt like i couldn't pick myself back up and i i was safe for me to just cry so i have a feeling tonight's dinner is going to be like that (laughs) it's awesome
0: that's awesome that you guys are choosing to create that space yeah each other actively you know regardless of what the situation may be i know for me it's i've um over the years became a lot more grateful for those opportunities because they are rare. Yeah. People like that who can really hold a space for you and not judge, even though some, someone else you might meet along the way and then say, how could you ever make that decision? Yeah. And I always look at it and it's like, well, if I knew any better, I would not have made that decision. Right. Yeah. Um, But some people are just really there for you and they just really listen to you and say, Hey, yes, I may not have been through what you have, but, I get it. I understand.
1: I work in an industry of very um, one very glamorous image centric people. There's mm. that whole Instagram. and I work with a lot of Type A personalities and a lot of hard personalities as well. Um, there are there's plenty of us also within the industry who uh, a little a little softer. Like me, <laughs> um, and we intentionally create the safe space for others also. And I distinctly remember having a conversation with with my colleague who you would stereotype as being very very hard, um, and he broke because he never felt like he was in a safe space to do so. And it must have been so debilitating, it must have been so stressful for him to have that um, guard up for so so long. So to mm-hmm. your point, yes, I think everybody deserves a safe space just to let go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nelson, how do people find you and what are some of the things that you have coming up that people can be a part of?
1: Sure. My website is coach Come visit me there. Um, you'll have uh, all the educational resources. If you're a personal trainer, or if you just want to find out more information about finances um, again, my book is called for the fit or Poor personal trainer, a guide on how to train money, not muscle to grow. And that's available on Amazon via paperback ebook and audible. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at coach and you can also find me on LinkedIn, but my, but, by my proper name, Nelson E. Torriano.
0: Awesome, well thank you so much for being on here. Thank you for this wonderful conversation and I I know there was a lot of wisdom that I got from it and, and knowledge and perspectives and insights and so I'm hoping that a lot of our listeners will be able to do the same.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me, it's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to join us on our weekly conversations every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central Time called Courageous Conversations. This is an opportunity for you to further connect with this community and learn more about who you are. This is an opportunity for you to further dive into topics that matter most to you. If you'd like to know more information on how you can join this particular tribe, go ahead and leave us a message on overcomingodds.today. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.